You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For all NBA, for all NBA warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast hosted by myself, Natalie, or Nat, or Natfluential, whatever you choose to call me, and my new bestie, because we do a pod together, Justin Grant. <laughs> what's up? What's up? <laughs> what's up, Justin? Otherwise known as the Package JG on Twitter. So, what's good? Um, how's it going? Going. All right. You know, the Warriors uh in an interesting spot right now. <laughs> Feels like every other pod is is a different vibe, you know? Yes. Uh, hopefully yes. it's continued good vibes for the next year. You know. One <laughs> we just want only good vibes. I mean, do they have another back to back coming up soon? Because I mean, I feel like we should have been on the track to like full good vibes. And then there was a back-to-back and because we have no freaking clue what they're gonna do with back-to-backs, it just screws up things. So um, let's talk about their last two games, but it looks like for the remaining schedule, they have the Clippers Wednesday, Utah Friday. Okay, and then Minnesota Sunday. So they don't have any back-to-backs until like the, well, the first weekend in December, but Houston is the second night of that back-to-back. So I don't know, maybe the baby dubs can show up. Remember last year when the baby dubs showed up and were competitive? Do you remember that, Justin? Yeah, I was looking at some of those box scores yesterday, actually. And the main difference is they had players around them that could help them win those games. That's what I wanted to know. But did Otto, because those were back-to-back. So did Otto and um, GP2 may have played, but did Otto play in those games? So when Steph and Dre rested, they won, I think, three games. They won, they beat Detroit, but I think Wiggins, Wiggins, Looney, and Jordan all played that game. They beat um, Denver. No. They beat no, San Antonio. No, but it was a close game with Denver. It was a close game with Denver. They beat San Antonio and they beat someone else. I forgot. But um, no, nah, Otto didn't play. Gary played. Juan played. Lee, Damian Lee played. Um, 
it was just a it was just much more veterans like on the team. Quindary came in and he was obviously much more ready to help. Um, is just and just fit into their system as a defender and, and a guy that's just scrappy, much more so than a guy like Ty Jerome, who has played okay for a two-way, but it's just a different type of skill set that he has. Yeah, and impact, exactly. Um, so I think that's just the main difference with that, and it's the main difference overall as well. Uh, it's just not enough solid contributing veterans that you know exactly what you're going to get from them. Um, they're going to always compete on defense and know where they need to be and not just be looking lost out there. Uh, so, yeah. And then the baby, it allows when you have players like that, it allows your young guys who have a high ceiling and, and a lot of talent to actually let their talent shine through without their flaws being the reason why they have 26 turnovers and they get blasted. You know what I mean? It's just it covers up for so much that the young guys may not be able to cover up for right now. I'm glad that you did this research for us. This is why Justin is my partner, right? Like, this is what you do. You work with great people. Because I was like, I know they were competitive last year, but I need to think about, like, what some of the differences were. Because it was definitely, like, Moody out there playing, Kaminga. Um, you know, they were out there, and we were competitive. And I was like, I know most of the stars didn't play. I said, Andrew may have played. I said, but I think Poole definitely played. I was having this conversation last night with someone. And so, you know what? Let's stick with this game. Let's get the bad and the negative out the way first so the rest of the pod can be vibes. We were going to talk about... <laughs> we were going to talk about last night's game second, but you know what? Let's, let's, let's get that over with. So let's continue talking about this. I'm looking at their schedule in December. And I mean, Kerr cannot seriously plan to rest the starters for every second night of a back-to-back. -back. It's just, they have three back-to-backs in December, four, the first weekend in December. And then after that second week in December, every Tuesday and Wednesday after the second weekend in December, they have back-to-backs. So Milwaukee, Indiana, Knicks, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Utah. I mean, he cannot possibly rest them for all of those games. Right. So he's going to have to figure out something. The schedule is also crazy. I don't know what the league was doing, but like every Tuesday and Wednesday, basically in December, except for the first week. They're back to back. Yeah, that's crazy. Hopefully it kind of, that just means it's going to lighten up in the second half of the season and they don't have as many um, and they can kind of stack wins in the pursuit of seeding or whatever uh, they have in the, in the second half of the season. But yeah, yeah that's kind of crazy. January. They're more spread out, though. They have two in January. But they're in the same week. Ugh. It's like a Sunday and a Monday, <laughs> and then a Thursday and a Friday in the same week. So they have like two days off in between. All right. So that's January. In February, they have two back-to-backs, but those are spread out. So one is at the beginning of February. And then one looks like it's right before All-Star break. They have a game versus the um, first Washington and then the Clippers. In March, they have two back-to-backs as well, spread out. Poor Pelicans. They always get up. But that's going to be back at Chase. But I don't know. Is he going to be resting guys on the second night of a back-to-back -back in San Francisco too? 
who knows what Steve is going to do, to be honest. Who knows what Celebrini is going to have on the plate for them. Um, but this like shouldn't really be an issue. Than last year. Yeah, it feels like it, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. What were you saying? Uh, I was going to say this is the issue with dropping games you shouldn't have dropped because now you have to essentially play these games. Um, you can't just keep punting the games, which, you know, they've essentially done uh, up to this point. So, yeah, now you got to win them. Like, <laughs> yeah, your, your, your margin for error is getting slimmer and slimmer as each game passes, especially when you're just dropping games just to drop them. Um, and I think Steve, it, like, to a certain extent, Steve is, like, kind of, sending some not some shots but like he's like look joe <laughs> like we're not gonna win games playing the young guys as much as you but would how like long to play can you them. keep doing that at the expense of the team like are y'all riding off this season or not that's what i don't understand it's like i get it but it's like you're doing it at the expense of wins and like hurting yourself for later in the postseason like we cannot bank on them just going on a string of wings and also, you can't bank on them staying healthy. I feel like when you're healthy, you have to win games because you don't know what's going to come. That's my whole thing. I just feel like you cannot mess with the basketball gods like that. And I tweeted something like that last night. I was like, this is still sort of arrogant to me that we're just like penciling in losses still, where right now I don't feel confident that this is a team that can like just go into other buildings and win confidently. So they need to have good seating, right? And I actually tweeted that. And then like, I left Twitter because I was like still working and doing other stuff. And so I didn't like get back on. And then I saw mad people reply to my tweet. Um, and I guess there was a debate, not specifically about my tweet, but I guess people were talking about it because some people are like, you know, they're older and like they're being reasonable and everyone's outrage over this is like, first of all, I wasn't outraged or angered, but I just think like, I just think, first of all, like, to me, the fact that he chose to play in Houston and not in Pelicans and not in New Orleans to me also seems like he wasn't that confident that they could win that game because why not rest the first night of the back-to-back, -back, right, where maybe the young guys may have a better chance against Houston and play your guys against the more competitive team and at least give the Pelicans fans one game where they get to see, because now you rested them for both games, you know, in New Orleans. So now th that fan base is not going to get to see them at all this year. And I also think, like, that's not right. I know they don't give a shit, but I'm just saying. So I'm just like, the fact that he made the choice to rest them on the second night, to me, feels like they felt more confident about beating the Rockets than beating the Pelicans. Because why not do the do it the reverse? Like, why does it always have to be the second night of the back-to-back? -back? Why not rest the first night and play the second night? Like, what is the reason it has to always be the second night? I'm not sure about that either. Um, and, I mean, they should – they obviously should feel more confident in beating the Rockets and the Pelicans, but it does kind of show a little bit of, like, eh, I don't know if we can get this one. If we – you know, if we play against the Pelicans, it's, like, more so a lack of confidence in beating the Pelicans rather than, like, you know, more confidence in beating the, the Rockets. So – um, that isn't a great sign, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just weird to me. And like, it just, it all comes back to Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando. Like you, you lose, you win those three games, then you're above 500 and you know, you can quote unquote afford to rest on the second night of a back-to-back -back at this point in the season. It doesn't hurt as much 
But when you're trying to climb up the standings, you're not even in play in contention right now. Um, you it's it just doesn't make a lot of sense to just you know punt these games and it's it's yeah it's dumb it's it's like 2021 again where Steve is like all right Joe I'm gonna show you the hard way that we can't win playing doing it your way um, and to so me eventually... it never actually works it never actually works where people were just like oh you know like I'm like did you guys actually pay attention the last two years all that bullshit at the beginning is why they were in the play-in game and then they lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you would have won the games you needed to, you're not even in a playing spot and you're not worried about that shit. And so when all those people got hurt at the end of the season, we would have been because remember, we didn't have Kelly. And I know for some people that may have felt like a good thing, but we didn't have Kelly. We didn't have Wiseman. Eric Pascal, I think, came back like right before the, the like we were just missing so many bodies. They were playing like an eight man rotation for the last how mm-hmm. many? And just to even have the extra bodies, you can't tell me wouldn't have helped just a little bit, you know? And so you lose the play in game because like shit happens, right? Like in a single game for elimination, something happens. Then last season, I'm like, I never get this logic of punting games early because you end up always making it up later, whether it's with overtime games you have to win or Steph got hurt, Dre got hurt. They were chasing to hold on to the three seed at the end of the year. So instead of the end of the year, when some teams could like maybe rest and relax, you couldn't. And I remember Clay was playing in the very last game of the season. And because it was dependent on how Dallas went, they had to play. Like they didn't know the outcome before. And it's just like stupid. Like just win the games at the beginning of the season that you can win. Mm-hmm. Like people yep. are like, oh, look, they didn't care last year and it didn't matter. It did matter. Like the only right. reason we had the three seed was because they had a cushion from winning so many games in the beginning of the season. And then they still had to fight to hold on to the three seed. Yep. And it, it kind of annoys me when people bring up their like, oh, they have a such and such streak of winning a road win in every playoff series. And it's like, how many of those series have they started on the road? Not a lot, right? (laughs) And the ones that they started on the road, they didn't win all of them. Um, So you can't can't bring that up. Last year, we went into, who do we, we started on the road against Memphis. We went into Memphis game one and stole a game. Could have easily lost that game if John makes the layup. Um, Potentially lost could have started 0-2. Now you got to win four out of the next five. And that would have been bad. But got a lucky break. Not necessarily a lucky break, but got a break with Dallas beating Phoenix. So now you don't have to play on the road. You don't got to start on the road against them. They, they started at home three out of the four series. And the toughest series, quote-unquote, was, was probably uh, Boston. But Memphis was right there, and they started on the road. You know, <laughs> the games in which they lose home court advantage – I mean, the, the series in which, they, in which they lose home court advantage were the toughest series. They lost home court advantage against Boston, and it was a tougher series. Like, home court advantage absolutely matters. All the role players play better at home. You just want more home games. Like, I don't understand yes. this whole logic. I don't like, understand oh, we, as long as we're in the playoffs, <laughs> as long as we're in the playoffs, no. Bro. How no, many six seeds have won the championship? Ma- People bringing <laughs> like, up the Rockets to me. I'm like, that's an outlier. That's one team. You know, exactly. like, that's. <laughs> like the Lakers. I'm like, if you can just bring up one or two teams and you're counting them, that means they're outliers. It's not normal. The teams that win 
always have good positioning. They're like a top two to three seed. They won a lot of games. They have home court. Like, I don't know why you think we, why do we want to just make the road harder? Why do we want to make this a harder thing? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. And not to mention, like, I know Steph and Dre don't like losing games. I don't think any of, like, I know none of the vets like it. Clay don't like losing. Yes, he wants to play well. But those dudes, they are built, they don't like losing games. Not even regular season games. Even if Draymond says, like, it's hard for him to get up for some of those games, if they go on, like, a little losing streak, he doesn't like that. He's going to show up because, like, they don't like losing games. In the past, they were able to go out there and half-ass it against, like, these lower teams, and it didn't matter, and they can't anymore. And so I think, like, that's, like, an awakening for them. But they don't like losing games. Look at Steph sometimes out there. Just pay attention to his face and his body language when the foolishness is happening on the court when they're not on there. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. people are watching. I'm like, are y'all seeing the same things that I'm seeing? Because I'm so confused. Right. And then... And then there'll be like a, a two second clip of them laughing on the bench and people be like, oh, see, they're not worried. And it's like, what they thought, I mean, they're human beings. Of course, they're going to joke right. and laugh and stuff like that. It's not the end of the world for them, but they, that doesn't mean they are okay with losing. They're, they're okay with punting games. Um, so it's just, it's just a, a weird dynamic that people have kind of adopted. Just accept any type of seating that they get, accept any type of product that they put on the courts because they feel like, Oh, we can just beat anybody anywhere and it's like sure they can but like will they you stack all the odds against you eventually you're not going to come out on top um so it's in your favor to just get yourself in the best position possible to you know win a championship win a series all those things it all it all matters and all especially as you age you don't want to make it harder as you're aging and i'm sorry like are we looking at the same team what gives anyone confidence that this team can just be anybody like the starters can't play the whole goddamn game (laughs) exactly Exactly. especially if they've been carrying for the whole season up to that point like if they're gonna have to go balls to the wall and fucking play with playoff intensity for the entire second half of the season just to get out of the play-in when they finally get to the playoffs and they have to start on the road, it's not going to be great. At least not if they go to the conference finals and the finals. They're going to be gassed, kind of similar to what we saw from Boston, even though Boston was the one seed. They had two really, really long, tough series. They got to the finals, and, and guys folded because they were they were gassed. And, like, you don't and want – injured, and you pick up little things. And exactly. right now, other teams have injuries. They're in shambles, too. This is our time to get back in it. They're giving us the, they're giving it to us right now, and we're not capitalizing on it. We're still fucking resting people. All right, let's let's break and and we'll come back. There's obviously still more to talk about on this, but (laughs) let's break. You guys are listening to Golden Spaces. We will be back to get into some more on this because clearly both Justin and I are frustrated. Be back soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. All right, and we're back. You're listening to Golden Spaces, an Odyssey original podcast with a very frustrated Natalie and Justin. So, Justin, (laughs) we were talking about how the dubs just continue to make decisions that we don't understand. And, you know, sometimes this is when, like, I'm critical of Steve Kerr because whether he's trying to send a message, whether it's rigidity, like the insistence on we don't play the second night of back to back and I must, you know, like just his insistence on these things, they it can be frustrating at times, you know, um, and I just don't understand why you're making it harder on your guys. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me personally. Yeah, yeah. Um... Just, is there no other way to send a message, Justin? Is there no other way to send a message besides costing themselves games? I don't know because Joe's a very, as, as we know, he's a very stubborn, prideful guy, as most most like extremely rich people are. Um, so it, it might be like, hey, and, and we saw it, like I said, we saw it similar in 2021 where Steve was just like, all right, we're just going to keep playing. James, he's not ready for this yet, but we're going to keep playing him. And they kept losing. And same thing with Kelly. Um, and then those guys go down. Steve didn't take him out of rotation. They kind of went down like via injury and they started winning again. Um, so I'm not really, I'm not really sure how they can get the point across to, to make some changes, whether internally or externally on this roster, but it but has to di- come at some point. But the difference with that season is, even though we did not like it as fans, and I actually still disagree to this day, the moment Clay went down, they punted that. They walked into that season For sure. like, like we can't win this. And they were utterly shocked by what like Steph was doing. They also, for purposes of picks, didn't want to be too high in the standings, right? So there were some other things going on in the background. And it annoys me, because to me, I actually think that year was wide open too. You get Steph a couple of guys, and they could have made a run, you know, who knows, maybe they do at the end of this, the, you know, fail, but like, do you, do we really think they couldn't have beaten the Utah jazz? Right? right. Like, do we think that wasn't possible? Um, because, you know, Memphis maybe doesn't even make it in, <laughs> you know, that year, or maybe they mm-hmm. do and they're playing Memphis. I don't know, but they, I think they could have beaten the jazz, maybe the Clippers, a healthy Clippers, probably would have given them a, a lot, you know, but Denver do like, I mean, Denver is a difficult matchup too, but I just, I think that they, oh, it was the Suns, right? I, I don't believe in the Suns ever. So you, I, I'll take the Suns any day. So I just, I felt like that was a year that we punted unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Now you're, you're returning champions. You're the reigning champs. 
You're the reigning champs. We punting this year? I just need to know, please, because I missed the memo. Because I thought we were trying to win again. Trying to win while you still have Dre and trying to win while you still have Clay. Because we don't know if Dre is going to opt in. We don't know right. what's going to happen with him. So yeah. I'm just... I'm just perplexed. And, and and I've and I've spoke about this before where I said like you're trying to winning and developing at the same time is not impossible, right? But when you lean too far into either direction, it's gonna really hurt the other way, right? So they really leaned into winning last year, especially early on in the season. Moody essentially didn't play much, right? Kaminga, he played a lot, but he was he was kind of yo-yoed with his minutes and stuff like that, and he didn't play in the playoffs, right? So you 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 can say that they didn't have as much opportunity to develop as much they possibly could, right? As the other guys in their draft class who get to play 30 minutes a game, 82 games in a season, and just you know, naturally progress over the course of the season. Where this season is kind of the opposite of that, where it's not even the opposite because they're not they're not playing as much this year either. But as far as the roster construction, you've leaned more into development by letting, allowing guys to walk who are essentially standing in the way of those guys getting minutes or the opportunity. And you bring in two more young players that you have to develop. So now you have uh, Jordan, who's still developing, obviously. You have Mo, uh, uh, Moody, Joku, Wiseman, PBJ, and Rollins. That's six players that you're developing, right? That's essentially half of your team that's a little bit too far into the development, in my opinion. Um, and then you don't have like the solid eight, nine, 10 year vets that you kind of had last year, or at least guys that are in their you know, 28, 29, age 30 seasons that know how to play basketball. They've been in the NBA and the G league and they've been all around the, the league. They, they know how to play. You don't have those guys in your roster this year um, to help those guys along or to eat minutes when those guys aren't performing well. So it's, it's helping or it's contributing to the bench being the worst in the league. Um, so, like I said, when you lean a little bit too far into development, it's going to, your, your, your winning is going to suffer. And I think they need to like kind of walk it back a little bit and lean a little bit more into the winning right now um, in order to get the season back on track and potentially win another championship. Okay. This is a good transition for us to start talking about what we saw from some of the young guys. But I'll say this. And yes, I understand it's two different leagues. But I'm going to say this. If something bodes well about this, it's that the Las Vegas Aces had, like, the worst bench in the league last year. They really had no depth. And that was part of what contributed at times to them losing games. And they won it all. So (laughs) They, they, they won it all. So there's something to lead on to. Like, I don't care about the misogynists are going to be like, yes, the WNBA and dismiss it. But like, it's basketball and your benches matter. And their bench was a topic of discussion all last season because it's like, they don't got no bench. And that's why people thought, I mean, the sky didn't even end up making the finals. But like, that's why people thought like, ultimately the sky would win out because they had like, a you know, a bench and the aces didn't. But the aces, you know, they... <laughs> you know, they got the bench contributions ultimately that they needed, but it was really about like their their starting lineup. I hope the Warriors get a bench or that somebody like starts to step up and gets it. But um I'm a little worried too because of how Kerr is. Like I feel like you also take the confidence of these guys, right? Like, you know, is Moody gonna go out there and be the same player, or is he so worried about 
just getting on the floor that he's not going to play the way that he should because God Mm -hmm. forbid he makes a mistake, he gets snatched. But, you know, um, this two-way guy, Lamb, can, can make as many mistakes as he wants and he continues to see the floor, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, again, it's like, you know, Marcus Thompson always says this with Kurt, it's about the kinds of mistakes you make. Like, there's just certain mistakes he doesn't like, and if you do them, then it's like you're out, which I think is sort of unfair. Like, these are your lottery picks. They need to develop. And, like, Moses is actually shown, like, again, we talked about this, I think, on a prior episode, you and me, but he's actually shown positive, like being on the court. So I like it, like of all of the people who are not getting play right now, and granted he did last night, he did, you know, like he was brought out, not just in garbage time in their last game. Um, So maybe he's going to start playing more. I don't know. But I, I do think that it's affecting him too, like now when he gets on the court, because it's like, I just want to stay, you know, like I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, get benched again. And I don't know, maybe I could be wrong, but I'm a little I'm a little worried about that. So, I mean, we could start with Moody, but there's a few, few of the guys I want to touch on because like, I don't know, Jordan, his body language. So let, let's talk about the guys. Um, Moody. Like, I mean, what are your thoughts about him right now? Do you think we're going to start seeing more of him in the rotation? Um, I, I hope so. Um, and I feel for Moody because, like you said, it's like one of those things where you're not playing your full game. You don't have your full rhythm and confidence because you're worried about – you're looking over your shoulder, essentially, like, is he going to call me out the game? Um, is this going to be my only rotation in the game, this, this quick four-minute period? If it is, how do I leave my imprint on the game? Do I got to shoot more? All those things that, that plays into a, a player's mind, um, especially a young player, it's, it's really not fair. And essentially, all we've heard is that Moses has done everything they've asked of him since he's gotten drafted, right? He's the mature one. He's the guy that comes in and just, you know, takes his takes his pail to work. And he's the, he's the hardworking guy that does, you know, he, he carries himself like a vet. But they're not, they're not playing and he's not getting an opportunity. Um, and we did say, you know, a lot of it is position, right? They, they trust Dante a little bit more um, with the skill set, being able to handle the ball and set guys up sometimes and just the things that he can bring on the defensive end. And they trust Lamb more to be a four. Um, but at the same time, it's clear that Joku is not a, a three yet. So you should play him at the four and Moody at the three, right? If, if, you're, if you're trying to invest in your future, then you should play those two guys um, as much as you can without like, you know, obviously like punting games and stuff like that. And at this point, Lamb hasn't played well in a few games. So I think Moody should get a, um, an, a, a bigger opportunity. I think they should play Joku more at the four because that's his position right now. And Steve even said himself, we view Joku as a four, but they haven't played him at the four this season, like at all. Um, so it's very backward stuff. Uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense, but yeah, when it comes to Moody in particular, He's he's one of those rookies that or not rookies, but young players that his his floor is not as low as the other uh, young players floor. Like he's going to go out there and just, you know, play a role like he I think he was a part of the run that they went on against Houston where, you know, I think they might outscore Houston by six or seven points when he was in the game. He didn't really do much. He had like zeros across the board for his stats, but he didn't actively hurt that run, though. And that's something that you really want from your young guys just don't punt. Don't don't kill us when you're out there. And he's he's shown that he's can do that. And then he can add more stuff too. So 
I'm really confused on on Moody's like yo-yo and with his minutes right now. Um, and like I said, I just feel feel bad for him. Yeah, um, I really don't want to be talking about this game again last night in the next segment. So just any any positives or negatives, you know, concerns that you took away from last night's game. Did you see anything from I, I mean, people were like going crazy over the Kaminga dunk. It was like a highlight. But like. Is there anything you saw that made you say, OK, well, here are some positives or was it all just like. I mean, a lot of us were just kind of disgusted that they rested everyone and punted the game. But in terms of the actual game itself, did you see anything? Um, I mean, you can see just the flashes of, you know, what the young guys can bring, right? Particularly Joku, Moody, and, and Jordan. I think, and I, and I tweeted this, I said pretty much everybody except those three on the bench should be on the block, to be honest. Like, Dante's good, but if you can fetch a, a player that can help more right now, um, especially in the front court, then I would have no issue with sending him somewhere else. Jamichael, you can send him somewhere else. He's essentially not good to me. Like, at least for the role they're asking to play, he's not good. Um, but positives, we saw, obviously, Jordan can score, right? When he gets enough touches and he's in a rhythm, he can score. Uh, he can get to the rim at will. Hopefully, he kind of used last night's game as a reference point in his mind and say, look, I don't need to do a thousand hesitation dribbles. I can just do one move and go and I can absorb contact and finish through it. Cause a lot of times he tries to avoid contact. And it's like, uh, if you just watch Steph sometimes, like if you really want to be like Steph, watch those areas of Steph's game, right? Where he's going into guys and still finishing. He's actually taking on contact, right? Initiating the contact and then drawing fouls that way. Um, Jordan can do a lot of those things. And Jordan obviously at this point probably has a quicker first step because he's younger than Steph. Um, he has a little bit more burst off the first off the first step. So he might have an easier time getting to the rim. Um, Joku, his obviously his athleticism jumped off the page, uh, jumped off the screen. He had that crazy dunk. He had like a transition block on Zion. Um, guys just can't really beat him off the dribble ever. And that's kind of been his main uh, like his his best characteristic as a player so far in his career is just his, his ability to stay in front of guys on the defensive end. And they can really use that. And I'm not sure why they're trying to keep using him at the three because it forces him to shoot however many threes he shot this game, like six or seven. Um, he hit a few, but that's not really his his strong suit right now as an offensive player. He's, he gets to the rim, he can rise above guys, and he draws a lot of fouls when he's in advantage situations. Guys can't stop him because of his athleticism. So they need to put him in more positions like that. And Moody just goes out there. He plays hard. He didn't shoot the best from three. Um, but he shot shots in rhythm. And I do think if he continues to get minutes and he knows that he's going to play and he's playing with confidence, his jump shot ability is going to shine through. And he's eventually going to be a high 30s, 40% three-point shooter. I think he is that level of shooter. So other than those three, didn't really see a lot of positives. Lamb can't shoot for real. Um, Dante's okay. <laughs> like, Lamb, like, if he's hot, he's streaky. Like, if he's hot, cool. If he's not, he's just going to take a lot of bad ones too, um, contested ones. And, you know, like I tweeted yesterday, any any extended minutes for Dante is just not going to be well because he's going to, his flaws is going to start showing through the turnovers, the ability to not really finish in traffic, stuff like that. So he's a really like a three, four minute rotation guy. And then you kind of get him in and out of the game. But yeah, other than that, it was just negatives, right? A lot of turnovers, defense was bad, all that type of stuff. So. Hmm. All right, we're done with that game. Let's move on to some positives and um, 
wrap this up. So you're tuned into Golden Spaces where Nat and Justin will be back. Thanks for listening. Tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. We're back. It's Nat and Justin. <laughs> Golden Spaces, not as the original podcast. I'm trying to look the energy because it's the day after the game versus the Pelicans last night, and I'm still annoyed. I'm still annoyed. Like, I'm annoyed with the squad, but <laughs> we're going to look to some positives, right? Um, they played a game prior to that, um, the night before. Justin and I maybe should have recorded that night instead, but we chose to wait till after both games were concluded. Um, versus Houston, which was also sort of like an interesting game because they came out hot, which is not shocking because it's the starters and it's the Rockets. And then the bench came in. <laughs> <laughs> And it went to shit pretty quickly, Justin. It went to shit pretty quickly. But also, yeah. it was interesting because did, did was Loon the only starter out there? He still ran like a primarily bench lineup, right? Who was out there? I'm oh, trying to know. Do you remember who was on the court? Loon was out there in the first half, and they made the adjustment of uh, putting Draymond in his spot in the second half. And it and seemed like they found that. something with that lineup. Yeah. And so... Yeah. But I mean, just, I guess what I'm questioning is the choice in general to do like that whole lineup and just loon out there. Like, I, I feel like you need a real difference maker out there like Dre, or you got to have like two of the starters out there. Like these predominantly mostly bench lineups, I feel like we've seen they don't work. And so that's when I say it was interesting to us. Like, why are we still doing that? Like, I get the lead was massive. So maybe he thought, I don't know, we can get by, but haven't we seen them like blow these really big leads? I mean, why are we still doing that? Like, like it doesn't work. Like, unless you're changing the players, unless we get some different players on the squad, it doesn't work. So I just don't know why we're doing that. And like the whole lead evaporated, you let Houston get their confidence. And that's sort of what like Steph was talking about, right? It's not mm -hmm. just about the fact that like games are close, but it's like why those games were close, right? Like you allowed a team to get back in it. They get momentum, they're confident. And then like, now you can't really like break away and get, I mean, you can, but like, and then how many times do you have to keep doing that? Right? Like keep going out there and like winning the game. So um, I wish they would have just like kept their foot on the gas and, you know, it was really just that one, like second quarter of that period, but then the game was close for the rest of the game versus them kind of just like, you know, to me, if you just put your, you know, your foot on their throats, like on their necks, like mad early, like then maybe the guys are resting the fourth quarter. Maybe, I don't know with this team, but you, you build a big <laughs> enough lead that like they really can rest and they don't exert themselves a lot. And then maybe they can play a back-to-back. -back. I don't know. I just, to me, being in a dog fight with, with, with the Rockets is not ideal Obviously, Clay looking more like himself is. Steph also just had a incredible game, but like, I just, I, 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 I'm just not a fan of like what occurred in the second quarter. Yeah, I, and I think that might have been the original plan to have them like 
crush the Rockets and then sit in the fourth and then have enough energy to play the next night. And then it just didn't happen that way. And they were like, well, we're not going to play uh, next, tomorrow because y'all had to essentially win this game twice. Like you have to do every game. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's getting annoying. It's, it's very clear that they have to outsource at some point, bring in somebody, particularly a front court player that can just help them. But we did see that Draymond helps that second unit just because he he plays with pace and the the defensive intensity that he brings. Obviously, Looney brings a certain level of defense as well, but he's he doesn't play as fast as Draymond does. And I think that unlocked a lot of the guys. And he's not a guy who can run the offense like Draymond can as far as being at the top of the key and making those quick reads and stuff like that, right? He's more so set a screen he gets the ball in the roll and then he can make the pass out of the roll like that. He's not like an initiator at the top of the key. Um, so that, that unlocks some things for them. Uh, I think they thought maybe Anthony Lamb can fill some of that role. Again, he's a fringe NBA player. That's why he's on a two way. So you can't really lean on a guy like that to be able to do that. So yeah, maybe they can like play with that lineup a little bit more, um, put Draymond in there. I do think Wiggins should be in that second lineup as well. Uh, him and JP typically have some pretty good scoring chemistry um, and can put up some, at least carry the offense. And then having him next to Draymond as well, Wiggins next to Draymond, it should make sure that the defense isn't crazy out there. Uh, yeah. And he's, and Draymond's just another guy that just, sometimes he turns it over, but he's just a stabilizer, you know, kind of like Andre used to be for the second unit. He's not going to go out there and and do a lot of crazy things. If they have two, three possessions in a row where they get bullshit up, He's going to make sure they get into a, a good set the next play. So uh, I think that's a change they probably should keep going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he did it, which is probably hard for him because he likes to play Steph and Dre, like, all their minutes together. And this is my thing. It's like, you got to just be able to switch shit up sometimes, Steve. And so I thought that was a good decision, and I hope I see more of that, you know, Dre out there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I do like Andrew out there with them as well. So let's see. Let's see what happens. But they came out of that game with a win. Um, and like Clay got going really early and they needed it too. Um, mm-hmm. cause Steph he wasn't the like game hitting early. Yeah, he did. Just, um, he let the game come to him. And I saw a lot of the, um, you, the apology report that, that, that card that people put on Twitter, like the form to fill out for like your apologies. I, I still <laughs> think people are going like a little, okay. So look, th- yes, were there people like really slandering Clay and being outrageous? Sure, but that's Twitter. That's what people do, you know? Um, but a lot of the criticism was just valid, constructive criticism. It wasn't too crazy in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I don't know, fan base really struggles. Like, I mean, they don't, there's some people who get defensive about everyone. People might say, Nat, like pot kettle cause you're defensive about stuff. But like, seriously, like, with Clay, it's this thing where like Clay cannot be talked about negatively in any way, no matter what. And I just think that shit is stupid. You know, like, I, you know, I had a back and forth with someone because they were like, at least I understand, you know, Clay struggles, right? But like, we're kind of going in on Jordan. And I was like, well, you understand Clay struggles. Why? Because I feel like everyone just keeps talking about the fact that he had two injuries. Clay can't, this is his second season back. You're actually supposed to be better in your second season back. Like what we're seeing on the court is not because of his injuries. It's him pressing. 
it's him taking like weird shots. Like that has nothing to do with his injuries. It's like him wanting to prove he's still clay. <laughs> you know, that's not like his injuries that are keeping him back. I understand that he didn't have the off season. So his conditioning is off. And that's something none of us were prepared for. We didn't know that was going to happen. But that's still not like the fact that he had the injuries two years ago. Like, yes, it sucks. And I empathize. But that's not what's causing this bullshit play right now on the court. So it can be criticized. And I don't need to empathize with his injuries from two years ago. I empathize that like he lost two years. You're not going to make it all back up. But you still got to play smart on the floor and help the team. Right. And so, um, you know, and I said with Jordan, I think there's this idea like, look, we don't know. I don't know what what Jordan's issue is, but I think I I truly believe that people are undervaluing how much the situation with Dre affected things, right? Like, um, and and just everything. Like, Jordan went through a lot this summer. You had that. You had, um, he signed a big contract, which... I know that most people just think it's good, but it's a lot of change. There's the expectations now, because even though he's not making that big money yet this year, right, he still has the expectations of that contract. You put him out there with this unit, which he's struggling to carry. And I get it. I get both arguments. I get the whole, well, why should we reward him for bad play and start him? And I wasn't one of the people advocating that Jordan should be started, right? But people are like, he just has to figure it out. I'm like, do you think if that was Clay, he could be able to figure it out? Like, they all get the benefit. He's a starting level player. That's why Dre called him a six starter. He is a starting level player. But he is forced to have to work with these guys, right? Like, it would look better if Steph was out there. But Steph, it wouldn't be great for him either. When we see Kerr put Steph out there with these stupid-ass lineups sometimes, and we're like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you making it harder on him? Like, to me, it's a very similar thing with Jordan. There are things that Jordan's still, like, you know, all the freaking hezzies and and, and over-dribbling, like, all that shit, you know, yes. But some of it is also, like, the position he's being put in. And I don't feel like he's getting the grace for that or the fact that he went through something, too, because people don't think of, like, it's like, oh, yeah, your teammate just punched you in the face. Move on from that. You know, like, like... I think people are undermining that things like that have lingering impacts. They just do, you know? And so because it's not visible like an injury, because you're not out for it, doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve some courtesy and grace from us too. So that's sort of how I feel. Sorry, I went on for a long time, Justin. No, I I feel you. I feel you. And and I definitely agree. Um, And for the most part, I agree that he's just not being put in the best position um off the bench especially with the roster i mean with the with the lineups that he's been put in the roster is just not great off the bench it's not and it's not the type of players he has he needs around him in order for him to play his best there's a reason why he plays best with the starters because they have guys that know their roles know how to set him up play defense so he doesn't have to go out there and you know do things that he's not capable of doing on a defensive end yet and it just puts him in the best position, right? Guys where he can kind of play off ball and blend his on and off ball stuff. He can't do that in the second unit because they're not guys that can find him, especially in the front court that play in the second unit. They don't, they don't pass him the ball. Well, they just do handoffs because they can't make those backdoor cat passes and stuff like that. And then it just devolves into him doing an ISO against his defender and the next defender behind him, 
all that type of stuff. He has to score on multiple people. That's probably why he's doing a thousand hezzies because he really wants to get open, open, but he can't because the defense is all focused on him because he doesn't have guys around him that can make the defense uh, second guess whether or not they need to focus on him or someone else. So it's just, it's just been, uh, I think, a disservice to him so far, um, both on the roster construction side and on the coaching side, I think. Yeah, and when people I mean, it, say – when people say he's upset he's not starting, I think it's more that, like, he wants to start because – well, of course, the players want to start. But I think it's more to the, to the latter point you were making, that, like, it's the skill set of the players. Like, if you had – players who had a similar skill set even if it wasn't as great as the starters around him on the second unit he'd be able to do more right and so I feel like that's something that's getting lost people are just like oh you can't just like not want to play and throw tantrums because you're not starting I don't think it's about starting I think it's about not putting him in the best position to succeed and it's like you want him to figure it out that's his role and I'm like is it his role like I mean like I just don't think if you took any of the starters and put them in that same position as him, that they would have way more success either. Right. And Mm -hmm. he's a starting level player that doesn't get to start. The other starters were starting level players who get to start. (laughs) Right. It's it's as simple as that. Right. We started out the season where he was essentially turned into CP three, trying to just run a thousand pick and rolls with James Wiseman. Right. Um, and then we take Rosman out of the rotation and it's like, all right, just go back to, to doing you, but with way worse players around you, like try to do what you do in the starting lineup, but everybody else around you is just considerably worse than <laughs> your starting counterpart would be. Um, it's just, it's, it's a weird ask. And like I said before, he's still developing. So this is probably his first time with these expectations on his back playing next to guys that can't really help him do what he needs to do. Uh, while teams are scouting for him now. While, exactly. And while teams are scouting for him. So it's just, it's just weird. It's a weird position for him to be in. And it, it all comes back to just get, get him particularly more help off the bench and get the starters more help overall by bolstering their bench. Uh, so it's, it all comes back down to that to me. Okay. Well, I think we've said all that we can say about the dubs. Sorry, the energy wasn't greater for this one, guys, but we got to be honest about what's going on here. Um, (laughs) I still think there is a path for the Warriors to win it off. I'm not at a point yet where I think like they have no chance, but they got to make changes. Yeah, there for sure is. Um, Yeah, it it starts with that, getting, getting the roster in a better position. And I do think they need to manage how they use the the intern the people they have on the roster now a little bit better, right? They need to redistribute roles and not expect certain guys to be able to perform at a level that maybe guys from the past have performed at. It's just it's an unfair ask because they're just not that caliber of player. So you got to go out and get somebody, and then you got to you know use the guys that you have appropriately, mainly the young guys. Yeah, and I think I think one other thing that Dre said that. I think fell a little under the radar for people is when he talked about like Jordan plays like stuff, like he's not saying exactly, but I think he means like the kinds of actions they try to run out there and what he does. Right. Right. If you think like I, if people think back to when Sean Livingston was there, when, when they came in, they didn't 
they played differently that second unit. They didn't play mm -hmm. like the first unit, right? But he's not Sean Livingston. He's not that kind of player, right? And so you don't have the guys around him to play the way that he needs to play if you want him to lead that second unit, right? Like mm -hmm. Sean Livingston came, he slowed down the tempo. <laughs> there was some cutting. It, it was it was just much simpler sets. Right. And and a lot of the time he was out there playing with Dre and Clay and, and Clay. Like they were the two main guys from the starting lineup that that were in that bench lineup. And it was a lot of times Sean, Clay, Andre, Draymond, and like whoever the the backup center was at the time. Right. And they just primarily locked teams down and the offense wasn't great, but they were just stable. And they were like, all right, we're not going to lose this lead. Like we might lose it a little bit, but we're not going to lose it by 10 points. It might be two point deficit or something like that. And now it's like, well, we got a ton of young guys. So we try to got, got score, score, score. Cause we're not going to stop them. And then they just not scoring because they don't have the personnel to run the offense uh, the way it's supposed to be run. And it's just a disaster every time. Hmm. Golden State Warriors, I hope y'all are listening to us. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All exactly. right. On that note, on that note, we're gonna wrap. Thanks for tuning in, guys, to another Golden Spaces. We will be back after the Clippers game. Is that the Wednesday game? Uh yes. Yeah, so we'll be recording again after that game. But thanks for tuning in. You may catch us on the TL this week. Not sure, but we'll let you know either way. Um, subscribe, follow, download. You know what you need to do. And send share. us some questions. Yes, share, please. And send us questions to our mailbag, gswspaces at gmail.com. Twitter, Instagram, Golden Spaces Pod. All right? Till next time.